Welcome to another episode of the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. Brackens Painting is a proud sponsor of this podcast, as is City National Bank. On today's podcast, we will hear from Magistrate Arthena Roper. She was recently appointed the magistrate position in Jefferson County, uh, but she still has to run in the upcoming election, which has been postponed to June. Let's hear what Arthena Roper has to say. Okay, welcome back to the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. Today in the COVID-19 studios in downtown Charlestown, West Virginia, we are out back under the pergola at the big table, seven and a half feet apart from each other. I have Arthena Roper. Arthena is running for magistrate in Jefferson County in Division Three. Arthena, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. That's great. Today, I hope to learn a lot about you. Um, interviewing magistrate candidates is a frustrating topic for me because it's taken me a while to understand that we pretty much can't talk about anything that would make you seem biased. And that's really annoying because it limits the amount of good questions or generally uh, curious questions I might have. So we're going to keep this kind of about your background. We're going to keep it about what the position's like. You're the first person that I've interviewed who holds the position. So I had I get to ask you different questions than somebody who hasn't won yet. Um, so let's start off with what I start off everybody with. That's background. Arthena, where are you from? Where do you work? Um, where did you work before? Education? Um, tell me as much as you can about your background. And I'll ask plenty of questions and I will interrupt. So if, I, if you lose train of thought, oh. that's, that's my fault, but that's how I do. Okay. Well, thank you again for having me. And it's nice to know you now. Uh, I just live about 10 houses down. That's right. So that's, that's good to know our neighbors. I am Arthena Roper. I have lived here in Jefferson County for 25 years. I've uh, been married to Mark 25 years, my husband, Mark Roper. I am from Berkeley County, so I didn't come that far away. I am from West Virginia. I went to all West Virginia schools, public elementary, middle, high school. I have... Which high school? Martinsburg High School. I'm a bulldog. Okay. Yes, yes. And I attended West Virginia University. What'd you study? My first degree was in liberal arts. You know, what does that mean? You know, I got my degree in liberal arts because I initially wanted to become a medical doctor. Okay. And the classes that I was taking just didn't fit in any one other major. Okay. I kept taking a lot of science classes. And then I took, I met a class called organic chemistry that just wiped me out. Uh, Yeah, I've seen those before. Yes. So Uh in order to graduate in four years, I uh, graduated with a liberal arts degree, a BS in liberal arts, and went straight to get my master's in public administration. And the goal there was to go into public health. I'm way far away from public health, but... Hold on a second. Let's back up a minute because I have this general curiosity. So 
public administration, what are examples of some classes that you would take in that thread? In public administration? Yeah, like in, in, in grad school, like what? Uh, classes to run a city, uh, administ- a lot of administration classes. Right. Um, organizational development, strategic planning. There's probably a class budgets. called just, just management probably. Correct. Okay, yes. cool. I mean, I'm familiar with like MBA programs. I'm mm-hmm. familiar with management programs. And I, I, I'm not familiar with public. So... That's interesting. So they would have like a, a a course line you could follow about managing a city. Oh yes, absolutely. That's really I could cool. do that. That's I, really cool. Yes, my internship was in Santa Ana, California. I interned with the city of Santa Ana, and I was fortunate enough to be a part of setting up one of their big, uh, citywide activities, which was a big bike race. Cool. I didn't realize that was. Motorcycle thing. or bicycle? Bicycles. Oh, cool. Bicycles. Uh, and, you know, just from, just doing all of the logistics of you know, blocking off the streets and communicating with the police and, you know, making sure that the health providers are on hand in case someone wipes out. Uh, just all aspects of setting up a festival. So That's really cool. Good stuff, yeah. All right, so then after after college? After college, um, well, let me just say this. While I was in college, I pledged a public service sorority called Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. And through that organization, uh, a sorority sister offered me a job as an extension agent. Totally out of what I had ever done before, but the best job that I've I probably ever could have a extension agent for the sorority. No, for, for agricultural. That's what I was thinking. Okay, so yes, yes, yes. So like WVU Extension, West is what Virginia this... University Extension Agent. Yes. Right. Yeah. For agriculture. Yes. So that's, that's not even in your zone. So yeah. Okay. It wasn't. So, it so wasn't. how'd it go? Uh, Eleven years later, loved it. Loved it. Um, I was the at-risk um, extension agent. I started the um, health and food and nutrition program. Some people know it as, or knew it here in Jefferson County as Energy Express. Okay. Are you familiar with that? I'm not, no. It's a summer food program where uh, students come in and have family-style meals, and they just do a lot of reading throughout the day. Every week they have a take-home book. So. That's great. Yep. So 11 years there. 11 years, yes. Um, and kind of a interesting story, I guess. I lived and worked in Martinsburg, but I started the Energy Express program at Ranson. And the principal at Ranson, during one of our strategic meetings, she took a phone call, and it, her phone call was... She, she didn't walk away so we could hear her conversation as she was getting married. Oh. And so I just happened to ask her, so where did you meet your fiance? Because at this time it's, I'm, I've graduated from college and I'm just work, work, work. And I'm not dating. I'm not doing anything socially. So she says, well, I have a brother that's not married and I think he needs to be. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's um so she took my card because I didn't know her friendly like that. I just Sure. Yeah, you know, from the meeting. And about a couple weeks later, I get a phone call and it's this guy, he calls me at work. And he said, Hey, he said, um, my sister gave me your number and I thought he wanted a job with the summer food program. So I start talking to him about that and the conversation didn't his responses weren't as if he was looking for a summer job. Um, I said something like, So you want you're looking for a job? He said, Well, I have a job, but I mean and he said later to me that he he said I he thought that that was the the way the new way of courting <laughs> like code or something <laughs> i have a job do you want a job <laughs> so i totally didn't remember that the principal right. had given my my card to her brother so after we realized okay this is not a work related call uh we talked later and I'm married to him now. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so how long have you been married? To Jefferson County, twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. Yes. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So, you're currently in the magistrate position. I am. And, what were you doing before, that, position? Yes. Uh, in 2018, I ran for the board of education, Jefferson County Board of Education. Okay. And I was successful in that run. Uh, there were three open seats, and I was I, actually I beat the president of the board, and started serving in July of 2018. About a, exactly a year later, I got a phone call, and was asked if I would like to serve as a magistrate. Wow! So, okay, this is fun for me now because. Why you? Why me? I mean, that's I mean, that's a that's a heck of a thing. Who who called you? Ah, uh, I don't know if that's a. If I tell the recruiting okay, process. Then. No I, problem. No problem. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because you guys are all so clandestine right now. Yes. Um, fine. So somebody thought you'd be a good candidate. Yes. I assume they were courting other people too. Possibly. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, so. Let me just keep playing this through in my head. Um, had you ever really considered that position before? Years ago, but my husband, who is from Jefferson County, told me that incumbents don't get beat. That, boom, boom, right there. Okay. Yes, and looking into, looking back on it, he was right. The magistrate that I replaced was retiring so okay. it was her choice to leave and so she had been there 25 years the magistrate who retired in 2018 Bill Sinsony he had been there 18 years wow and magistrate Boober is serving I believe 35 years right so having the elections just a formality to some extent i don't know about that i am working hard to try to win my you. division i get you so 
You were appointed in November of 19. I was appointed in September. Okay. I was recruited during the summer, appointed in September, had to go through a vetting process with the Supreme Court of West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals. And then I started in November. Wow, that's that's a real honor to have somebody say, hey, we think you'd be great at this. Why don't you consider it? I mean, that's it's different than running, being appointed. It's just it's just different because you're being sought out. That's really that's really flattering. And I think so. Yeah. I, I was am flattered. Right. Had you been um, involved in a lot of community service or serving your community prior to yes. school board? Yes. yes. Tell yes. me some more about that. Uh, I had mentioned that I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, and we have a local chapter called the Eastern Panhandle Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta. And through that, we do a lot of public service. We have five areas that we concentrate in. Now, this is every member of Delta Sigma Theta throughout the world. Okay. Our five areas are education, politics, international awareness, health, and I knew I was going to forget the fifth one. If I think of it, I'll yeah, it'll come, come to back you. to Sure. So we do public service projects around those five areas. And so I've been involved with the Boys and Girls Club just today. We yeah. had a meeting this morning. Our, we had a Zoom meeting. I want everyone okay. to know we were not together. Of course, sure. Had a Zoom meeting. And a need came up for masks at the Boys and Girls Club for the servers who have served, I believe they said 20,000 meals so far since the pandemic in the closing of the schools. And so uh, we have contacts and someone from Allied Health said, hey, I have some masks here that you can have, but I'm leaving at one o'clock. So, you know, come get them. Yes, come get them. So that's why I ran up there and I missed our earlier appointment but well that's a very good reason to miss the appointment yeah i thought so too i i was hoping that you would understand of course yeah um what are some other examples of what delta theta delta sigma theta delta sigma theta does like in the eastern panhandle stuff that um anybody who's listening could relate to a lot of projects a lot of we give books to schools we go into schools and read uh Ask me, what what else don't we do? We give scholarships to students. The sound. I'm I'm in Rotary. Okay. Yes. So it sounds yes. it sounds yes. kind of similar to it that. Is. There's um, I personally can't be heavily involved just because I'm busy with my business, sis, mm-hmm. for the most part, and I try to get to the meetings when I can, or cut a check when I can. But cut a check. That is a big part I of know. being in those service organizations. I like being around good, positive-minded people that are trying to do better for their communities. And yeah. I think we all have our own path that we go down. Um, how do you get into Delta Sigma Theta? It is a invitation uh, 
process partly. You get invited to, say, a rush. Oh, wow. It's like any other sorority. Outside of college. And I pledged in college. But oh, so, you, so then you have to be, you have to pledge in college, then it just stays that way for life. Yes, but we have invited people in who have already graduated from college. We call those alumni chapters. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you had created some influence in the community uh, by being active in the community prior to school board. I think so. I think so. Yes. That's great. And then was school board your first elected position? It was, yes. Okay. Was it your first attempt? Yes. yes. Great. Cool. I, I'm, I'm enjoying piecing together these, these pieces here. Yes. Because it's definitely different than everybody else I've talked to. Uh-huh. Um, so then maybe because of your, <laughs> I, have to, I have to speculate everything. Oh, yeah. So then maybe because you were somebody who was involved in the community and you had the ambition to step up as a community leader maybe. with school board, um, you became a possible person for appointment. And then you accepted and you were vetted and... Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, so you had to go to magistrate training. Yes. West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals in Charleston has a training for all magistrates and magistrate assistants. Wow. So what's that? How long is that? I got the abbreviated version because there's usually a group of people, but I will definitely go to the training that will come up after this election because every magistrate in the state has to run. So every there may be new magistrates all over the state. So they'll do like a two-week training. Okay, some more technical questions. And so you were appointed in September-ish. Yes. Recruited in July-ish. Started working in November. The person that retired was who? Mary Paul Rizzler. Was she didn't plan her retirement around a voting time? Is that just not her prerogative, I guess? I met Magistrate Rizzler when I, after I was appointed, so I don't know her personally. I just know her <laughs> professional work. I'm just wondering, I was like, wouldn't it be easier if they retired around a voting cycle? Well, that is what Magistrate Boober is doing. Right. Uh, she chose not to run, but. Kevin, I'll tell you, I'm thankful that Magistrate Rizzler did retire and announce her retirement when she did because uh, you may not um, know or care, <laughs> but uh, there's never been a black magistrate, and you may want to inform your listeners that I'm African-American. <laughs> yes, ma'am. And it's, so it was pretty powerful to be able to um, be the first And I would just, I don't know if I would have got that opportunity if it was the same process that had always been. Because it seems like people who became magistrates worked or were around the magistrate courts before becoming a magistrate. And I wouldn't have had that opportunity because I did not work or I wasn't around the court system. Okay. So other people running for magistrate, they can pick what division they want to be in. 
are you grandfathered into your division because you're in that division already? I, I guess you could say I was grandfathered in, but I selected division three because okay. I knew that was the division that my predecessor was in. Okay. And I also was the very first person to file for magistrate because I wanted it clear. I wanted people to know this is the division that I am running for. So if people came behind me, right. they knew who they were running against. Yes, yeah, so that, that's neat to me is that you can pick and choose what division you want to compete in. So one division might not have more than one person running. Correct. And then uh, division two, let's say, would have three people running. And like division one might have five because they see it as less competition, I guess, is it? Or Possibly. like I know there's somebody running not in your division who has a lot of years being a magistrate's assistant. I can't think of their name, but nobody wants to run against that person because yes. They, yes. they have a ton of experience, right? Correct. Yes. It's, it's, it's just a strange format to me is that you can just kind of pick where you want to try to run for the easiest win, you know. Oh, there's that there's that background noise of a diesel truck going by in the COVID-19 <laughs> studio. Sorry, my I get distracted because I want everything to sound correct. Yes. <clears throat> well, Kevin, the West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals, I'm assuming they were the ones who changed the process. Before 2016, magistrates were partisan. Republican, Democrat, Independent. Okay. And they were all they all ran against each other. And the top three in our our county, we have three magistrates. So the top three vote getters won. And in 2016, they changed it to nonpartisan and divisions. So before 2016. 10 people could run and only the top three cumulative votes Correct. voted for would win. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which one's more efficient, do you think? Divisions or overall popular vote? I haven't been around it long enough and studied it, it long enough. I just, I just wonder. Yeah. The, well, the Board of Education is nonpartisan, but the top three vote getters win if they're not more than the allowed amount in a district. So it's a, I roll. think that yeah. is Jeez. confusing to just everyday people who aren't really studying politics. Yes. I, I think it should be a lot clearer for people who um, just want to vote for their person who they think is the best person yes right and and i i i say it in every darn uh candidate podcast but i'm frustrated with the fact that a lot of times these turn into um popularity contests yes instead of instead of the best person it ends up being popularity or maybe you're not super strong on social media and two other people are but they're super rookies but because they have really good social media penetration they round up or, I mean, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But whereas somebody saying. else can really be a top-notch person to be there. Okay. So, magistrate training, you got the shorter version, but moving forward, when you win, you will go through the regular school. Yeah, but let me also say that 
my term will not end until December December 31st, 2020, if I don't win. You understand? Mm -hmm. Yes. Our terms start. Election is in the spring. I would say May, but no. Right, June. It's in spring. And the start of the term normally would be January of the next year. I see. So I'm going to training even if I don't win. That's awesome. Because I'm still going to be a magistrate until December that I know. Okay. Sure. Okay. Well, I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, so in November, you started. Your first day had to have been overwhelming. It had to have been exciting and scary all at the same time, right? Everyone has been so helpful. All participants of the magistrate uh, system, from bailiffs to prosecuting attorneys to public defenders, uh, magistrate assistants, other magistrates. Everyone has been really, really helpful. Tell me what a a magistrate assistant does. Magistrate assistant is a very important job. The magistrate assistant keeps the magistrate straight. They they schedule all of the, they make the docket. Uh, So they have to be good at arranging schedules with public defenders, lawyers, and of course we're kind of working in a, a a double county system because a lot of attorneys who work in Jefferson County also work in Berkeley County. So they may have things on the schedule in Berkeley County and um, the magistrate assistant needs to be able to communicate with them and schedule so that uh, it works out for both. Okay. Um so what are the day-to-day operations of a magistrate? Day-to-day operations? Just, I mean, like, you get there, first thing. Kind of walk me through it. I'm just going to, okay. I'm kind of daydreaming okay. about this. And All right. The first less I know, the more I assume, so. Okay, first thing. When I get to the magistrate office, I look for any criminal reports. And if there are criminal reports, that means that someone has been arrested and they need to be arraigned. So once I get the criminal report, I read it. I call our headquarters, our police headquarters, and I have someone, uh, another police officer, come and have them read it and sign off on it. So that there's two sets of eyes, two brains looking at this criminal report, make sure that all the elements of a crime is there, make sure that uh, there's probable cause. They come, they sign it. I have a little paperwork to do uh, before I ar- arraign the person. Once I do the paperwork, I fax it over to the Eastern Regional Jail. Then I call the Eastern Regional Jail and let them know that I'm ready to arraign if it's one person or if it's 10 people. I I'll let them know that I'm ready. I turn on my video conferencing and go through the arraignment and okay so when i went to leadership jefferson we got to go do a tour 
at the magistrate's office. Okay. Which is a tiny little, tiny little courtroom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really small. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're telling me they don't actually come to that courtroom. You can do it over the a video. If they were arrested at night mm-hmm. after hours, they go straight to Eastern Regional Jail. Okay. If they are arrested during work hours, they come directly to the magistrate court and they are arraigned. And did, were you in the room that had the glass, plexiglass um, separating where the magistrate sits? And I was in there with uh, Magistrate Boober, mm-hmm. and I don't remember that. I remember just kind of facing her stand to some extent. You may have been in the courtroom. Yes. Okay. Courtroom is different than the arraignment room. Okay. Yes. All right. So you process the criminal ones. Do you see civil um Absolutely. Also? Yes, people can come to the magistrate court and file civil complaints. Uh, civil, the majority of civil complaints that I have seen have been wrongfuls, uh, landlords asking for evictions. That's okay. usually what a, a wrongful is. So once they fill out the paperwork, it's their responsibility to have the person that they want evicted served and they can go through the sheriff's department to have them served or they can hire a private processor once that is done the person is served they have the opportunity to respond when they respond they send their paperwork back to the magistrate office at that point we set up a hearing uh, we send them what day they'll well, they know what day they're going to be served. I mean, what day the hearing is when they get served. So then we have court. How many hours per day are you in court? It depends on, of course, what's going on with arraignments. But maybe six, about six hours a day. Six hours? Mm-hmm. Magistrate Boober, when I was in there with leadership, Jefferson, two and a half years ago, um, one of the members of our class asked, you know, what is something that we really need to know or what is something that could change? She had a lot of opinions on um, caseload, that it was just so many cases. Mm-hmm. And she's been doing it for 30 plus years. So I'm sure she's seen things change or whatever, but... Are you experiencing the same sort of thing where it's just like moderately overwhelming amount of cases to get through? I can't say that I see that because it's all I know. I guess. Okay. So if if I had grown with the system of um, not seeing as many and now I'm seeing what I see now, I may have something to compare to, to. measure. Yes. Yeah, okay. But I don't have that. Well. We didn't go into a ton of detail, but the courtroom was really tiny. Well, we have two courtrooms. I I don't know when you came to visit, but we have a large courtroom, and then we have what is called a mini mag, which um, mini magistrate courtroom. I was in the one that basically was the size of this pergola, like yeah, 20, that was the mini mag. twenty by eight, twenty by ten, and she's literally here, and it's like a row of chairs. I think if yeah. I remember correctly, it was that's yes. the small one. It was two th- that that is the small one. Okay. We have a regular size courtroom because 
if we have jury trials, we have we have area for the jury to sit. Do magistrates work with jury trials? Oh, absolutely. Really? Absolutely. When when people are arraigned, that is one of the first things, part of their rights that we let them know that it they have the right to plead not guilty and they have a right to a jury trial. Wow. So, I mean, we're talking about misdemeanors. Correct. Only, yes. correct. Oh. Well, now, we, we arraigned felonies also. I actually arraigned the um, individual who was arrested for shooting an individual last week. So that is a felony charge. Doesn't that go up to the next level it of does. judges, though? It does. But okay, so you arraign them. them. You arraign them, yes. and then you pass it back up. I got you. What would be an example of a misdemeanor that you see request a uh, jury trial? I mean, maybe you haven't seen that that many, but I, I wonder yes. what level misdemeanor would request that. DUIs. Okay. A jury trial. Yes, yes. I'm going to go ahead and give a plug to one of the lawyers that requests jury trials um, more than I've seen anyone else, and that's Harley Wagner. Okay. And he he does a lot of uh, DUIs, driving under the influence. Gotcha. So I've only been called up on jury duty a few times, mm -hmm. um, and I got called in for one, and that was in the the large courthouse yes. right there on Washington Street. Yeah. And... Um, it was for whatever it was. I can't remember, but I wasn't chosen in the end. But I had to sit there and like yes. listen to some all the whatevers as they were picking people. And what what version of jury duty hears those sort of cr uh, criminal cases? So when you were called for jury duty at one hundred Washington Street, right? Those that was for a felony. Okay. Anything that takes place at the big courthouse are felonies. So anything takes place in our courtrooms, well, let me take that back because we do have a circuit judge on the third floor, Judge McLaughlin, who hears felonies. Okay. So you could possibly be on a jury on the third floor. Is it the typical jury duty that people get called up for? Where you end up going to magistrate court? Yes. So that's a possibility? Yes. Okay. Great. Mm -hmm. Breaking it down for brackets. <laughs> I am learning things. Okay, cool. Um, that's really, it really helps me paint a, um, a picture of kind of what the position is, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> uh, let's see. What, um, what challenges have you seen or have you faced being the new kid on the block or, you know, how do I put this without making it sound biased or whatever? <clears throat> um, I guess, what are, are you able to talk about things that you want to improve with yourself to be a better magistrate? Is that possible to talk about? I don't know if I want my opponents to hear my weaknesses. <laughs> I get you, but... So far on the podcast, there has been no smearing. Um, I wouldn't tolerate it anyways, but the, um, okay, I get it. I get it. 
I get why you wouldn't answer that, but fine. <clears throat> Let's see here. I'm looking at my notes. Well, I'll tell you one challenge that I just dealt with, and I I know I I'm going to get through it, but it was hard to read the criminal complaint of the charge was murder and I have to give the person their due rights you understand what I mean yeah I mean I'm reading that according to what he what the police officer said he confessed right. to doing it and why he did it and it's it's sad to me because because you're human. I'm human. He was born in 1992. The person he killed was born in 1988. So they could have both been my children. Right. And and so it was just a real hard day for me. Sure. Emotionally. I assume not a ton of murder cases I don't come across so. your That your was docket. my first, yes. Okay. Did the other magistrates who both have quite a bit of experience kind of back you up or oh absolutely you know, absolutely yeah. uh i told you when a person is arrested during the work day they are to come to the magistrate office we arraign them and then the police take them to the eastern regional jail if they have a bail or a bond right and magistrate boober called she had heard about it and I was just saying, oh, this is it's kind of tough. And and then she took it upon herself to say, you know what? You don't need to see that person right face to face right now. And, you know, I guess she made some phone calls, but they took me straight to the Eastern Regional Jail. And I was thankful for that because having that distance, I think, may have helped the distance, meaning the video conference, yes. the video arraignment, as opposed to him sitting right in front of me. You know, That's got to be really tough. You got to wonder other people who are running for the position think about, <clears throat> they may be thinking only about the civil matters or the DUI matters, mm -hmm. not the scary stuff that comes comes through. Right. Or like um, kids stuff, uh, domestic battery stuff. Yes. Um Assault. Yeah. Uh, Matt Harvey, on his podcast with me, talked a lot about victims' rights and um, including the victim in, I can't remember off the top of my head, but just those are things I never thought about. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, even if your house was burglarized, you're a victim and how terrifying that can feel for months, mm -hmm. even after it happened. And I really like that. I like that perspective. And you don't, I don't think people really think about it. You don't think about it. You don't whatever but certainly you probably weren't thinking about it until it came across your docket and you're yeah. like oh my goodness right yeah. okay so <clears throat> as as you're campaigning yes I learned from other candidates that you're supposed to have a committee yes I do and that you're not allowed to fundraise but they are or something like that right right <laughs> 
I'm just going to laugh because. Okay. Yes. I've I get been it. told yeah, that we're yeah. not supposed to fundraise. Yes. Yeah, I get you. Okay. That's what makes you guys so difficult to <laughs> ask questions about. Because for, for me, the, you know, as a leader in my community, I've always thought about running for office, okay. one or the other. And I've come to, I've come to a lot of good, knowing myself, I've come to a lot of good reasons why I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> primarily because I like results. I like yeah. fast results. Yeah. And I, I find that most people I talk to who are in a community service position, whether it's appointed or elected, results just don't come as quickly as your mind thinks they would. So that's why making that's why discussing campaigning and why you decided to run and why people should vote for you for you magistrate people who just I can't even ask the questions, so it's annoying. <laughs> um all right then I have a few more questions. Okay. Um what are some qualities that you think a magistrate should have? What what qualities and experience would a um a strong magistrate have? Because your role models in front of you have 25, 18, 35 years. Yes, yes. What are some things that they have shared with you? Well, they haven't shared anything with me. Um, but I think that it is important that all the players in the magistrate system, I mentioned them earlier, bailiff, the prosecuting attorneys, the public defenders, other lawyers, the magistrate clerks, that uh, respect is there. And I believe just personally that respect will only be there and sustain if I'm doing my part also. If I'm reading, researching, asking good questions, not trying to fake that I know something that I don't know. Okay. Being vulnerable enough to ask or say, give me a second. I need to try to figure out, you know, the answer to that. Um, and I'm hoping that those skills, I mean, added to my integrity, my high integrity. Uh, and the fact that I don't really care if I'm part of a, a liked click. Okay. Like it doesn't really matter to me if if a group um, you know, like the I like my Matt Harvey. Uh-huh. And, but if, if if he doesn't like me, that's okay with me. You know, I but he is the is the prosecuting attorney. And it would be very helpful to have a, you know, a great relationship with everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's what I strive for. But I won't compromise myself to to get a certain group's endorsement or to keep someone um, supporting me. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you, guys, you guys all speak so clearly <laughs> with what? you're trying to say um that's that's great um so i'm sorry who retired mary paul risler mary paul risler 
And Gail Boober is getting ready to retire. Correct. And that leaves... Bill Sintony retired in, I think it was December 2018. And who and took his position? His assistant, Vicki D'Angelo. Right. Yes. She's the one... Yes. ...who has a lot of years of experience. Yes. ...as the assistant. Yes. Wow. I think she's the one no one's running against. Correct. Okay, so she's in. Yes. So to some extent, she may be... So I guess, are you guys working together? You're Absolutely. Work... Okay, good. Absolutely. Right, so the division, assuming you win... Yes. The other division is... Who's running Division in... One. Who's running in that, do you know? Yes. In Division One... Let me get their name straight. Well, you, you interviewed... Denisha? Denisha. Yeah. Chickaricky. Yeah. Oh, got to get the other name. Uh, Is that where Vogel? Cesarain? Yeah. I can't think of her first name right now. And Vogel. Vogel, okay. So Chickaricky, Cesarain, and Vogel in Division One. Okay, yeah. So that, that'll be almost like a rookie division also because I don't think any of them carry a lot of experience in the actual office. Okay, you can't. Okay, fine. <laughs> she, folks, she smiles at me when, or she gives a smirk when I know she's not going to give me an answer. Okay, that eliminates that line of questions there. Well, what questions am I not asking that I should? Can you think of any of those? What What do you want to share? And it's okay if there's nothing because, I mean, we're just having the break it down for brackets podcast. It's not like there's a ton of prep that went into this. We sat and talked for about 10 minutes before, before I hit the record button. Well, I like to share just a little unknown fact that people may not know. Just okay. Sure. Yeah. Trivia thing. Yeah. Um, I am a published author of children's books. Oh, that's cool. Yes. So, um, nice. what, what, what's the content of the book? Children's book, uh, for the ages of four to seven. It's a picture book. Picture books. I have three. Very cool. And uh, most of the characters in the book look like me. Okay. And they're all about school, being in school and how school is fun, how school rocks, and things like that. So That's really good. Mm, thanks. Athena Roper for Magistrate. Thank you very much. Um, you have given me a really good perspective of what it's like to be in the position. Um, and I, I wish I wish you the best in the future. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I will, uh, once this is posted, you can feel free to share it if you're happy with it. Yes, please share and it with then, me. And then it's, um, I really am happy to meet my neighbor. <laughs> and, and thank you for informing me. I really appreciate you coming on. All right, thank you. This podcast is brought to you by City National Bank in Ransom, West Virginia. I am Melissa Knott and manage both of our Jefferson County locations. Our Charlestown location is located on George Street in Charlestown and the Ransom location is located in the Potomac Marketplace Shopping Center. City National Bank is a full-service community bank that provides an array of financial services. We offer a range of free checking accounts and savings products for both consumer and business customers. City National Bank offers competitive low-rate and low-cost lending products for both business and personal needs. 
Come and talk to me or one of my team members and get products and services that are tailored to fit your schedule and help you to achieve your financial goals. I can be reached at both the Ranson and Charlestown locations. Check out our website at www.bankoutcity.com. Today's intro song is called Mean in a Good Way. It's written and performed by Peter Clark off of his album, Peter Clark After Dark. Peter, <laughs> Peter describes this song as being the best song to learn hula hooping to. Peter is an avid hooper and recently started a hula hoop repair business. If you ever need hula hoop repair, consider contacting Peter. You can reach him on SoundCloud. Just search Peter Clark After Dark.